What is up, my good It's me, Scarlett. Just got to clear some things before we get to the episode. Number one, content warnings. It's a heavy one. Uh, we've got religious trauma slash imagery. We've got blasphemy. We've got body horror. We've got maggots. We've got implied child death. We've got implied mass extinction. We have unclarified events, strange ambiances, mentions of cancer, and it is just straight up torture porn, to be honest. That being said, if you can deal with all that, really hope you enjoy the episode. Just like to give a huge shout out to Inspector J of freesounds.org, who provided at least half of the sound effects for this episode. Additional information, including social media and sound effects attribution, can be found at the bottom of the transcripts. In addition, On Asphalt Bones episode 1 was supposed to be released today, I know. However, due to troubles working with an artist and with a label, we have had to push it back a week to find some kind of contingency plan. If you think that you could help at all, if you have a track that you would like to hear in the show, please drop us a bell at onasphaltbones at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy the episode. The Listless Network presents On Asphalt Bones, bonus episode one. When merriment's done. I was guided in by the hand, my skin bristling at the gentle grasp of an immaterial touch, like the phantom limb of another person. I wanted to ask who they were, what I was doing there at that... Was it a church, even now, when any trace of a god had been flushed out by dark? I supposed I'd find out soon enough. I relented and followed. The air grew oppressively cold as I passed through the gate, entering this being's domain, like the very matter of the air turned from atoms to needles, all stabbing my skin, leaving me perforated. I didn't much like the thought of that, and I shuddered, pulling my coat tightly around my shoulders creating something resembling a chrysalis that did little to shield me from the frost, but just enough to make it bearable. My breath seemed to freeze in midair, turning to tiny shards that freckled my face in red. I looked over my shoulder to the outside and saw it melting away into nothingness. A black darker than any I could have comprehended demonstrated in no uncertain terms the boundaries of this space. Ahead, also, I could see the dark, consuming the unoccupied land at the far end of the cemetery. Houses surrounded the domain, but these two were consumed. I tried my best to ignore the nagging thoughts of their occupants' fates. The cobblestone path, although worn by repeated footfall, was well kept. The being walked a few paces ahead, its gait reeking of certainty. It knew I had nowhere else to go. It didn't even stop to invite me in, entering the church's vestibule, a narrow corridor leading into the main chamber with doors to the left and right. These were shut. That may have been a blessing. The nave was stunning. The church, although blatantly Protestant, hadn't entirely forgotten the flair of the Catholic Church and, compared to the dark outside, was almost preferable, almost beautiful. 
The pews, constructed from brown-stained wood, were cushionless. There was a certain penance in this place, even beforehand, and it manifested in the littlest of things. Uncomfortable pews, a slight, almost unnoticeable slant of the floor that tended to cause issues for the elderly, particularly those confined to wheelchairs whose brakes may just so happen to deactivate mid-service, and they may begin to slowly, almost unnoticeably, roll away. And in the archaic, or rather borderline non-existent lighting, the only sources of light were natural, now not an option, and the candles scattered sparsely around the hall. Electricity was a force unknown in this place, not that it mattered nowadays. If there even was a now anymore. Or days. In the opposite corner to the antechamber, there was a walled-off rectangle, another room of function unknown to me. Beside it, at the front of the nave, was the altar, depicting a robed man on a cross. I assumed it was a depiction of Jesus. A long, two-pronged spear protruded from its side, leaving long scarlet trails that, I suppose, were the statue's blood. I snorted quietly. Subtle, I said into the void. The word resonated from wall to wall, rising in a crescendo as it reached the rafters, which groaned under the strain of this new disturbance. I didn't expect a response. I suppose that's why I got one. Subtlety doesn't work well in places like these. It replied, the sound emanating from everywhere around me and yet not reverberating. It simply remained in the air, stagnant and unmoving, and slowly decayed in its own fashion. I supposed it spoke sense, but it was hard to be scared by such a human response. The being continued walking as it spoke, and the being was not the same as the voice, but they were linked somehow. If I could figure that out, perhaps I could sever the connection. If I could sever the connection, perhaps I could escape, although I knew not what I would escape into if... If anything. I wouldn't even try it. The voice said, matter-of-factly. We've done this twelve times already. Give it up. This shook me. I hadn't considered it, but I had no knowledge of anything preceding my entry to the churchyard. Of course, I'd known about houses and Jesus, but is that a memory? Or just an invention of the being? If it could read and wipe my mind, surely it could implant thoughts, too. I briefly despaired. I was truly, inescapably trapped. Twelve times two. Does that make this the thirteenth? The Christian mythos holds a certain scorn for the thirteenth of anything. A deep-rooted superstition thanks to the thirteenth disciple, the thirteen knots of the hangman's noose, the thirteen steps of the gallow. Perhaps this thirteenth repetition spelled bad luck, but I feared that such bad luck was my own, not that of the being or of the voice.
I stood before the altar, enraptured as it began to shake. Well, shake wasn't the right word. I'm not sure that it moved at all, but it seemed to fluctuate as though something within were trying to break the surface, as though trying to turn the whole structure inside out. It was while staring at this ever-shifting altar that I realised my initial assessment of the nave's lighting systems had missed a crucial element. The pulpit itself radiated with a certain imperceptible luminescence, as though ultraviolet, and yet it clearly sufficed to illuminate the hall, as I had found my way forward without much trouble. The being kneeled next to me, its head bowed, its palms together, in a cruel mockery of what once could have been seen as prayer. I wished to bring pen to paper, to commit to some permanent record of the aspect of this creature, and yet... I simply do not know. Picture it as a pitch-black humanoid figure, or as a servant of Cthulhu, or as Jesus himself, it makes no difference. Words proved and still prove an insufficient medium to elucidate this creature's appearance. It appeared and it was present and it taunted me in a voiceless manner while the voice it lacked berated me from all sides. I knew not what was expected of me, so, in an imitation of the being, I too knelt. I clasped my hands in my own form of prayer and anxiously awaited the ritual. In a moment, and for but a moment, my senses were alight. I could smell freshly brewed coffee turned sour by off milk. The scent of the outside world shortly after rain, the decay of flesh and innumerable things I could not attach to any firm memory. I could hear the screams of the damned, some knowing and calling in hoarse, tortured moans my own name. The awful sounds of violence and of gunfire, the sobs of a new widow. I could taste dirt and naught else. I could see naught but white, though the oils coating my eyes played tricks with my perception and told me I was being buried alive during a war. My widow crying over me while it rained out of date coffee and I was being condemned to hell. Then the first leg of the ritual was over. You can't leave this place. But I won't stop you trying. Why not explore while I prepare myself? The voice suggested. The being was still praying. Resent growing, I left the being to its sick machinations and fought to explore the rooms behind the closed doors. The room that had been to my left when I entered stood open. The one on the right was shut. I favoured the latter and found it unlocked although the handle was icy and it was difficult to release my grip after. The door, a towering thing of solid, heavy wood, croaked on hinges unfit to bear such a load and shuddered open, releasing a breath of frost onto my face. I recoiled, too far, clearly, for I found this great door closing once more and another closing before me, a one which had before been open. The lock clicked shut, as I found my bearings and began to look around. It was a stone room made from grey bricks, whereas the church proper was made of some reddish, sandstone-looking mineral. The only window in the room was narrow and high up, and barred as though a prison cell. 
In the corner opposite to the entrance stood a toilet with a pole chain. Another corner housed a wash basin elevated only a foot above the ground. Affixed to the wall above was some sort of electronic boiler, although a note affixed spelled in red marker pen the words, Out of order. Do not use. Mold had begun to spread from a damp corner of the note, so the words now looked more like, Out of... Er... Uh, do not. The room was barren but for these few features. I was not looking forward to the second leg of the ritual, so I attempted to leave. To my surprise, the bolt of the door allowed itself to be opened, and the door swung open with a great zeal. I stepped back into the vestibule, where the being awaited me. It wasn't a prison, exactly, the voice explained. The being moved toward me, and I stepped aside, but it didn't register my presence. It closed the door of the room I had left, and reached into the door itself to bolt it shut. Those people had suspected the vicar of peddling lies for some time. They loved his god with his means. They missed their children. They locked him in there, made him wait out the forty days and nights to prove his holiness. Of course, he withered away, and they never found their children. The location died with him. The voice laughed, a smug, self-assured noise that somehow towed the line between laughter and wheeze. Innocence. And the other door? I demanded. The being was heading back toward the altar. Another time. We have so much work to do. The being turned left at the altar and entered the room I had noticed earlier, which obstructed the view of those on the far side of the church, in a way blocking them from God. It was clear my role was to follow. I did so without protest. The room was carpeted, although the carpet was the sort that scratched you gave you no illusion of comfort, and when you pressed flesh to it for more than a minute or so it would leave vibrant red marks where it had suppressed your circulation. Another slight discomfort in a place designed to punish man for the original sin and offer conceits of redemption. Another nail in the coffin of humankind. In this room we again knelt in prayer, heads bowed as we faced a coffin teetering precariously on a comically undersized table. I could not see the name engraved on its face from my prostrated position, but I had no doubt it was my own. As we knelt, I heard the creak of hinges, the coffin opening, likely autonomously. I daren't open my eyes, not yet. Something got out of the coffin, swinging its legs over the cusp and landing neatly between myself and the being. It walked around for a while, leaving the room and returning what felt like millennia later. It then clambered back into the coffin, slamming the lid behind it. I knew now to open my eyes, but when I did I was met by a face mere inches from my own, with yellowing eyes, jet black skin and a red, rotting gouge where its nose should have been. It had no mouth, but it had teeth. Some, at least. The most must have simply withered away, and those it did have were brown and smaller than human teeth, and all molars. It smiled at me in a childlike manner when we locked eyes and, although I knew better than to recoil, I couldn't help but jump when I saw it. It grabbed me by the shoulders and... 
I suppose it kissed me. I spat on the ground, but something bit into my tongue and I felt it writhing like a... Like a... I'm sorry about the... Like a... Maggots. The voice said once again. Just thought it'd be funny. (laughs) I spat again, although I knew it wouldn't dislodge the creature as it crawled down my esophagus. I simply wished to show my hatred to the thing. The being had entered the coffin, taking the place of this new, somehow worse entity, which followed me around with its sepia-toned, bloodshot eyes that seemed ready to bulge and burst and pop from its formless head. An attempt made by this new version of the being to attain some form resembling humanity, although it had gone poorly, to say the least. Again, I found myself unoccupied. The creature... An entity distinct from the being, and in turn from the voice, seemed intent on following me, nigh on mirroring my actions as though my clone. I shuddered at the mere thought. Does it mean to take my skin next? (laughs) This, of course, elicited a greater shudder, and I resolved to get a move on. I wished to get away from that... thing. My return to that right-hand ingress was met again with an icy reception, although I came this time equipped with the mental fortitude to put off the cold. I stepped in untroubled, or at least, untroubled by the chill. I was very troubled by the creature, which visibly shivered. If it weren't so disturbing, it may have been comical. The creature's head bounced around, its neck visibly and audibly with a squeak like an unoiled chain, stretched and deformed, its teeth knocked about, moving all over its face and disappearing under its shadowy. It would be remiss of me to describe (laughs) what it possessed as flesh. The room was narrow, more akin to a corridor which boasted little detail but for a narrow stone staircase that quickly twisted out of view. The steps were high, uncomfortably so, and extremely short and narrow, far too much so for me to fit much more than tiptoes on the step. My unwanted companion followed with a detestable ease. I considered pushing him. My hand must have slipped, for I oh so accidentally did so, and my arms passed through its pathetic face as though it weren't there at all. I fell, rolling comically down the tight, spiralling staircase until I reached the bottom, landing on my face. The taste of copper filled my mouth, and one of my teeth clattered across the room in leaps and bounds, landing at the feet of the being. It bent down to pick it up and walked past me, still unaware, or perhaps simply ignorant of my presence, to hand it to the creature. I accepted it gladly and placed it in the centre of its face, roots pointing outwards, as though it were the carrot nose on a macabre snowman. Do you like it? inquired the voice, but I hardly heard. I sprinted through both the being and the creature, clambering up the stairs like some quadrupedal relative to the tarantula, passing closed doors I knew better than to try. A frenzy overtook me, a burning desire to escape the being and to cause harm to the creature, for I hated them both equally. I turned the final corner, or perhaps the first, for the staircase was a tight and continuous spiral. I emerged to a round room containing a single, enormous brass bell, at what I assumed was the apex of the church's tower. The creature and the being had both beaten me in my ascent. The former now stood, staring expectantly at me, boasting my tooth, 
the centre of its face and grinning its malformed, decaying grin that bore so deeply into my soul and evoked such primal fury. The latter, the being, stood by an opening overlooking the darkness and paid me no heed. <laughs> I fell to my knees. The creature mimicked me. I cried out. The creature did the same. I stood again and walked toward the bell. The creature made no move to imitate me and instead watched, content or perhaps curious. A cord of interwoven metal hung down from the bell's inside, with a handle a similar brassy shade to the bell itself. The darkness rumbled in trepidation as I gripped the handle, and I felt the world around me grow a little more imperceptible. Now the creature came to join me, and I made no effort to push it away. I knew that ringing the bell would kill me. I hoped only that it would kill the creature too. As we stood, the dark spreading like a cancer onto the churchyard, swallowing the ground and the grass and the graves, I stared at that creature, so pitiful in all its aspects. Its stance was weary, leant to one side on a stunted leg that was forced to carry the bulk of its massless weight, its sinister smile malformed and misarranged, as though an abomination of man trying to play God and falling short in every manner. Its toothed nose was rotting already and would soon be consumed. Its eyes were weary and lonely like my own. I noticed it drawing closer to me, felt the maggot in my throat stir once more, as though it were compelled by the creature's proximity. I tried to bite down, to prevent whatever may happen, but the worm tore from my throat, escaping back into the open, expectant mouth of my counterpart. After all, for all I hated it, it was but an extension of me. My shadow. The voice was gone its source consumed perhaps by the sea of darkness which began to shatter the stained glass windows of the nave. I could have sworn I heard a scream from the altar. I was glad I heard nothing from the coffin. The darkness rose further, swallowing the church's roof, and the acid in my throat mimicked it, dripping through the hole bored by the maggot and melting the ground below me. Praying, praying for perhaps the first time in my life that I had made the right choice, I and by extension, my shadow rang the bell as my orifices were flooded with the darkness, purging me. Then, perhaps, was I clean. On Asphalt Bones and, by tenuous extension, When Merriment's Done, is a strictly fictional podcast distributed free of charge by the Listless Network under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. This episode was written, directed, and audio engineered by Scarlett Foster, with executive producers Alana Rogers and Scarlett. This episode featured performances by Scarlett Foster as the narrator. Katerina Death Andriskova as the being, the voice, and the creature. Now, if you excuse me, I have a ritual to prepare. For more information, as well as show transcripts and additional content, please check our show notes, follow us on social media at On Asphalt Bones, and check out our website at www.listless.ga. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you or a loved one is...
I'm trying to resurrect the being, but I'm demi-thick, and the clap of my ass cheeks keeps ringing the bell. <laughs> on Asphalt Bones, episode 1 will be released everywhere on October 13th at 4pm British Summer Time and 11am Eastern Daylight Time. We hope to see you there.